Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Happy Sunday and happy Palm Sunday to everyone. And I hope you're all doing well. Spring is, uh, spring is in the air, spring is in the ground, things are turning green, and it's a great time to look forward to everything. And we're looking forward, we're looking forward to uh, next week, Good Friday, Easter, I hope you can be a part of it. Today, though, we're going to talk about Palm Sunday, and we're going to stay on our life application theme that we've been on. Last Sunday, if you were here, you heard some great things about celebrating the new, the new that Jesus Christ offers and brings. And uh, Pastor Julie said these things about celebrating the new. He said, look beyond the temporary world. We must look to the eternal. See yourself as a sinner that needs Jesus. And know Jesus as the one who fills you with joy. And there's a reason to celebrate, and I'll touch on that a little bit later about what she said the reason was. But we need to know Jesus as the one who fills us with joy. In the day of Jesus, when he was entering that city of Jerusalem, people were looking. They were looking. They were trying to see something. They desired something. The Jews of Jesus' day were looking, and we commemorate this day and call it Palm Sunday. We, saw, we heard a little bit of the story. The people uh, of Jerusalem and the surrounding area, they were heralding Jesus as he entered the city. They saw what they were looking for. They saw what they were looking for in Jesus as he entered the city, riding on a colt. What were they looking for? We heard some of the story in the treehouse. We heard a little bit in the opening scripture. The people were looking for the one that was gonna kick out the Romans. All four gospels give us the account of what, some people have called Jesus triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. And he was coming in to prepare to celebrate his final Passover. Jesus was coming. There was a great crowd with him. Uh, thousands were making their way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Jerusalem had a population of about 30,000 during normal times. But for Passover, it would uh, swell up to 300,000, or some even estimate over half a million people. So picture the city, it's packed. And uh, John's gospel records that this was the people's reaction as they approached the city. And we've heard this. We've heard this this morning. This is just John 12, verse 13. They took palm branches. They went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. This is what we were just shouting from the treehouse. Well, suddenly there's Jesus. He's riding this colt. The crowd became excited. 
They waved the palm branches and they laid them down in front of him. And they hailed him as king. Blessed is the king of Israel. This is what the crowd was saying. Jesus was entering on this great wave of populism. What were they seeing? They were seeing a king who would remove this oppression from the Roman occupation. They saw a king who would restore the true kingdom of Israel. They were so focused. They were so focused on that king. They missed what they were truly supposed to see. And Luke's gospel informs us of that. Now we heard Pastor Barry when he opened from uh, Luke 19. And we're going to complete it. I'm going to repeat a couple of those verses and then complete it. This is Luke 19, 37 to 44. When Jesus came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices and uh, for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And now the rest of Luke's account. As Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city. He wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. So amidst all this, hailing Jesus as king, all the hosannas, all the shouts of adulation, the people had missed something. And what they had missed was so profound. It was so important. It brought Jesus to tears. Jesus wept. Imagine it for a moment as Jesus approaches the city and the crowds are all shouting. There's these Pharisees saying, quiet those people down. And Jesus begins to weep openly. He weeps. He is overwrought with emotion, weeping over the city and the people of Jerusalem. This day you could have had peace, but it's hidden from your eyes. We heard last week about the newness that Jesus had come to offer. Jesus was offering something new and wonderful to all of mankind, eternal life. Through him. And many were clinging to the old ways. Legalism. Tradition. Fasting for show. And that was all connected to mourning. Sadness. The image of Jesus that we learned about last Sunday was that of the bridegroom. What's a bridegroom doing? He's beginning a new life. Creating a new family. And all that newness is celebrated at a wedding feast. Here Jesus is weeping over the city. You don't see it. 
You don't see what you should truly see as the new and celebrate. The people were shouting and celebrating for all the wrong reasons. The truth is hidden from your eyes, Jesus said. Matter of fact, he said, harsh judgment is coming. Jesus prophesied the city is going to be seized. You're going to be surrounded. You're going to be cut off, starved. You and your children will perish. Not one stone will be left upon another. All because you did not recognize. You did not see God's coming to you. And is there any doubt about what Jesus prophesied? It came to pass. It came to pass. Less than 40 years later, the Roman general Titus and his legions, they came at Passover time. Jerusalem's full. Full. There's over a million people. Surrounded Jerusalem, laid siege to the city, broke down the walls, they destroyed the temple, slaughtered a million people. Took 100,000 as slaves back to Rome to work as slaves. And they built things like the Colosseum, which still stands today as testimony to the slaves from Jerusalem that came under, under Emperor Titus. Why? They did not see God's coming to them. Have you, ever, have you ever heard the saying, you can't see the forest for the trees? You ever heard that? There's the wood right in front of you of all the tree trunks, and all you see is leaves. All you see is the green. You can take that, you can take that image for whatever in your mind, but it just means there you are in the thick of something, and you just can't see it. You're in the center of a situation. You miss it completely. And it's kind of like this. I've got a, a few illustrations. So what do you see up on the screen right now? Do you see a duck or a rabbit? Some of you see both. Some of you might see a duck. Some might see a rabbit. Whatever you see, it might just be locked in on it. How about this one? What do you see? Do you see the vase or do you see the faces? Well, that one too, you can, you can capture both. But, you know, sometimes your mind just locks on one and you're not seeing the other. How about this one? Do you see the young woman or do you see the old woman? And I heard one man say, do you see my wife or do you see my mother-in-law? They're both there. Your eye might fixate on one and you miss the other. And it's kind of like these optical illusions. But here's the thing. It wasn't an illusion. This was not an illusion. Jesus, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, was standing there in front of all of them. And he was not seen. It was hidden from their eyes. What had happened? What had gone wrong? They'd lost their focus. Their perspective was skewed because they were too heavily invested in their own ideas and, and their own plan. They'd come to their own conclusions based on their own plan. And what was that plan? That an earthly king was going to save them from Roman oppression. The dominion of Rome would be lifted. But Jesus had a new and a better way. They just didn't see it. They did not see the new. They had it all figured out. But they saw a conclusion that was false. 
And they stared right through the truth. They were missing it. Now what might we apply from these words of Jesus? We've been talking about life application. We call this life app, see the new. What can we apply from the words of Jesus? Now it is hidden from your eyes. I have just one simple point. Change your focus. Change your focus. Because I think our our focus of many of us has been captured and taken the wrong way. Over the past 12 months, has the Lord been trying to get your attention? We've talked about it. Work, entertainment, for sometimes schools, churches, they were all shuttered. We were asked to isolate for nearly three months. We weren't even meeting in the church sanctuary. Was the Lord attempting to get your attention? Have you taken notice? Has he captured your focus? Or is it hidden from your eyes because of all the distractions? There have been multiple distractions. But I say there's been three major distractions that have robbed some of their focus and stolen it. Distractions that have introduced division. Division where there once was none. Distractions that have fractured friendships and broken families. Because the focus has not been on Jesus Christ. There's been division, discord, dispute. Instead of what? Instead of what Jesus Christ came to offer and that's peace. If, you'd, if you, even you, had only known what this day would bring, that it would bring you peace. But for now, it's been hidden from your eyes. What's hidden? How has it been hidden? What has robbed some of our focus? Well, I call it this. I call it the divisive trifecta of the enemy. The pandemic politics, and the latest cause of the culture. And I want to talk about all three of those and how, it might have, how, how they might have robbed our, our focus, taken our eyes off of Jesus. How has the pandemic introduced division and discord? I probably really don't need to tell you. It's pitted the masks against the maskless. You know where there once was Unity. There's now division because one side perceives the other as foolish. They both are at odds. One says you're careless and you're risking lives. The other says you're lacking faith and trust. Where there once was unity among brothers and sisters, there's now a schism. And the devil has gotten a foothold and he's succeeding at tearing down. And guess what? He loves it. He loves it. And this church has taken its fair share of criticism. Why are we so unconcerned about others that we're even having in-person services? On the other side, why aren't we back to business as usual? Why don't we have everything going full steam? And here's what we're doing at the church. We're endeavoring to minister to all, to everybody. Yes, we have precautions in place for in-person services, of course. And those have been working well. And for those who can't attend in-person services, 
What have we been doing? If you can't attend or you choose not to attend, that's fine. That's great. We've been streaming over the last 12 months. Over the last 12 months, we've put out over 350 videos, either live or pre-recorded, for the congregation's edification to bring the word of God. Our tone is one of reasonable balance in order to continue what? To preach Jesus. This is our cause. And if you've gotten into bickering or criticizing about being opened or closed, masked or unmasked, get your focus back on Jesus. Don't let the devil get a foothold. He's bringing division. The second distraction, the second distraction of the divisive trifecta of the enemy has been politics. What's politics done? It's pitted Republican against Democrat, right versus left. Now, of course, there's never been unity there. Of course, it's two parties that, that always have some kind of disagreements. But in the past year or two, that divide has grown deeper and deeper and wider and wider than ever before. And the vitriol on both sides is toxic. I mean, it's NPR versus talk radio. It's cable news left versus cable news right. Do you know that families are not speaking to one another because one voted Democrat and the other voted Republican? That's division that doesn't need to be there. Before the election, I gave a message where I just encouraged everyone, consider the word of God. Consider the word of God as you exercise your civic duty to vote. Whatever the issue, for issues like capital punishment, euthanasia, abortion, there is something in God's word about it. And there's something in God's word about marriage and family, truth and lies, righteous judgment, being honest in your business dealings, keeping treaties. Talked about all of it. God's word is very clear on all of those topics. And God's word is very clear on other topics. And I could have gone on with God's word illuminating topics of civil life and guiding our conscience and I said that. And this I made clear. We're all not going to decide the same thing when we seek to be faithful to the Lord. Let's understand that and show each other a little grace. My heart is that the word of God be the Christian's guide. While knowing that well-meaning, sincere Christians seeking direction from God's word they might arrive at different conclusions. What does it say in Isaiah? Come, let's reason together. We can talk about it. But let's not break over it. And let's consider what God's word has to say on, on those in authority over us. It says this. Paul wrote this to, to his friend Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. He wrote this, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good. It pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there's one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has been witnessed at the proper time. 
The Apostle Paul wrote this. Who was his king? Who was, he, who was his king that he wrote to Timothy and said, hey, intercede for him and be thankful for him. His king was Nero, a murderous tyrant whose administration killed people at will, crucified them at will, and ultimately beheaded Paul. Yet Paul wrote, pray, make intercession for the king. Be thankful for him. And he said, Jesus wants all to come to the truth. And he died for that. He died for that as a ransom for all people. And then Paul wrote, this has been witnessed. In other words, it's been seen. It's been seen. It's been witnessed. But so many are acting like they haven't even seen it. Have we taken our eyes off of it? Have we taken our eyes off of what Jesus Christ has done for us and accomplished on the cross by dying as a ransom for all of us? Have we taken our eyes off it because we're in a frenzy about who's in the White House or who's not in the White House? Let's open our eyes and focus and see the day of peace. See the day of peace that Jesus brings. Today is the day. Today. Today is the day of God's coming. Today is the day of God's visitation. Turn off the radio. Turn off NPR or talk radio. Turn off uh, the cable news. Get off the social media where, where, where it just causes all kinds of division. And get the focus back on the kingdom. The kingdom which is not of this world. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of peace. The kingdom of peace that was opened by Jesus. The third distraction of this division of trifecta, the enemy, it's been the cause of the culture, and especially at this time, when it comes to racial division. It's just pitted one group against another, one people against another, one color against another. And this church has been accused of being racist and complicit in racism. And we've been accused of being silent on the topic. And I just thought, a reminder. Back in May, May, May 28th the last year, I addressed racism specifically. It was an online message. We weren't even back into the church building. I talked about what was going on in Minneapolis. That video has been viewed hundreds of times. The racism was denounced. Galatians 3.28 was preached. Racial unity was addressed as only, only being attainable one way. Through Jesus and in Jesus. The following Sunday was May 31st. And I said this. In light of what's been happening in our country, cities across the country are boiling. Some are burning. People are dying. And I'm not going to ignore that. I'm going to make that part of my third point regarding the scripture that Paul wrote. Paul who wrestled with sin and the sin of racism. It was a big part of who he had been. But Paul overcame that hate, the hate of racism by the love of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit within him. And I realize that was just a brief mention, but the next week... Uh, the next week, June 5th, we were back. We were in person. The sin of racism was the theme of the message. 
And I just want to share a portion of what was said that morning from this pulpit. I believe the word of God from Paul in Romans 15 is timely for today with all the strife and hate and division that we're witnessing in our country. For Paul wrote this, Christ accepted you. That was the end of verse 13. And why is that? Why? And that is why. That is why you should accept others. Put aside immutable characteristics like skin color. That does not make a difference to Jesus. Remember that Paul was a Jew. He once thought of non-Jews, those called the Gentiles, as unworthy of God. But that racial divide has been demolished. It's been destroyed by Jesus. Paul now said, one need not have any special birthright. He went on to emphasize his point no less than four times. And you can read Romans 15. The distinction of race is eliminated in Christianity. Paul developed the theme as he wrote that all people, whether Jew or Gentile, are sinners and therefore in need of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. There is no two-tiered system in Christianity. There is no first class in economy class in the kingdom of God. One person is not above another because of racial identity. Paul summarized in chapter 15, Christ became a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth. Christ Jesus accepts all who come in willing repentance. And the harmony of the races glorifies God. Jesus accepts all. And all can have that hope that overflows. I remind you of that because the church hasn't been silent. This church hasn't been silent. Not now, not in the past have we been silent. Silence about this at all but this has been multicultural for decades and decades we welcome people we welcome everyone because jesus doesn't see any of that we, we, we welcomed hope church in here and they shared our facility for for over a year and together, me and Pastor Abdel, we, we preached unity. We preached the unity found only in Jesus. We've got this long-standing history of including everyone because it reflects the word of God in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. That's... It, it, What did we hear? We heard Michael up here this morning. He's excited. He's singing. And what did he say? He said, only Jesus. Only Jesus. Right? The cure for the bigoted heart isn't a new law. The cure for the bigoted heart doesn't come by the way of the, the culture's definition of tolerance. The cure for the bigoted heart is Jesus. It's Jesus. Period. That's the cure. And, and I'm going to say this. This pulpit will not become a pulpit to preach the latest cultural cause. It will not. This pulpit will be and it will remain one that preaches Jesus Christ and his gospel. Because that's what saves people and changes people. 
We are all one in Christ Jesus. Do not let the devil get a foothold to bring division where it's not needed, where there once was none. Let's stay a a united body in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's get our focus uh, right and see Jesus the new and everlasting way of redemption. That's not an illusion. It's not an illusion. Jesus' true cause and his mission, it was hidden from the people of his day. They couldn't see it. Do we see it? They didn't recognize the day of his coming and Jesus wept. He wept and he told the people of Jerusalem, judgment's coming. Future the future holds judgment. So what is there to do? You got to see Jesus today. You got to see him today. Today is the day of grace. It's today. Today is the day of peace. You know, peace in your heart. If you've been struggling with sin, you've been rebelling against God, you don't know whether you're going to heaven or hell, you got to make peace with Christ. It's the only way. Is Jesus weeping over you? Is he weeping over you? Because you've never seen it. Let me tell you, if you've never seen Jesus Christ as Lord, if you've never seen him as the one who, can, who ransomed you, he paid the price for your soul because we're all guilty. We all deserve the capital punishment of being out of God's presence and cast, cast away, cast aside. We all need Jesus to reconcile us to God is he weeping over you because you've never seen it let me tell you if you've never seen it if it's hidden from your eyes he weeps he weeps over you or is Jesus weeping over you because you've gotten distracted yeah you've known him but man there's the division man your eyes have been caught by all this stuff the divisive trifecta of the enemy Is Jesus weeping over you because you've just lost sight of it? You can't see the forest for the trees. Take the palm with you today. Take a palm with you. If you didn't pick one up on the way in, pick one up on the way out and take it with you. Let it remind you that it was laid down in front of Jesus for all the wrong reasons. And Jesus was moved to tears. He wept. He wept because he's not that savior. He's not the king that rescues you from the oppression of the government. He is the savior that rescues you from death, hell, and the grave. And he wants you. He wants you and he weeps if he hasn't received you he wants your life he wants your whole life and when you give your life to Jesus and you follow him then you can be the agent of peace then you can be the agent of grace you can you you follow him and then you share the love and the grace in his name and then that affects the world that affects the world that's how change comes it's not going to be through through some bureaucrats who make a law. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of it. Take a palm or take these palms and let them remind you 
to see Jesus. If you're tempted to divide, if you're tempted to go down these paths of division, if the devil's gotten a foothold and he's turned you those ways, be it pandemic, politics, culture, don't lay down the palms for the wrong reasons. I don't know. Raise them up. Raise them up. See the prince of peace. See the king of kings. Let's, let's stand as we, as we go and, and just pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for the peace that comes only through Christ Jesus, our Lord. God, if any of us have been, if we've been sucked in by this division, if we've broken bonds with family, friends over something like masks or politics or people, Lord, God, first of all, forgive us. Help us see the peace and the grace that we can have today. Take the cover off of our eyes. Lord, that we would see Jesus Christ and the peace that he only offers. Thank you, God. And God, if there's anyone, anyone within my listening voice who, who never even realized Jesus died for them, to save them from sin and to keep them out of hell, death, and the grave, God, I just pray if there's a heart that's turning to you or even questioning and asking, God, I pray you'd receive them. Lord Jesus, that your weeping would turn to joy that they see the new and better way, God. And they could rejoice in a joy of salvation. Lord, I just pray that we could all leave with that. Lord, we could all leave rejoicing, putting aside, dropping off the division, the strife, and rejoicing in you, God, our Savior. Help us to raise our palms and raise them to you, the God of peace and love and grace. And that'll put a smile on our face and give us something to rejoice about. Thank you, God. Bless all your people with that. Lord, in the powerful and the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen.